We are Living by the Word Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to one cause. That cause is the truth given in the Holy Bible, which we believe is the inerrant and infallible Word of God, conferred to man to live by. We let the Word of God be the final authority as to what is or is not true. We strongly feel that if we do not expose false doctrine, we only encourage it. This ministry is designed to challenge you from an apologetic point of view. 1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is Michael Tinsley. Please stay tuned while we arm you, the believer, to keep living by the word. It's the noble thing to do. Yes, 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 indeed. It is a noble thing to do to keep living by the word. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Daryl Easy D. Fulton, and I'll be introducing you to the other teammate tonight. And I want you to know that this is a live presentation, an opportunity for you to call in right now, email us and uh, your questions, and we want to give you a biblical response to that question. You can start joining the broadcast right now. The broadcast will go as you call in. So start dialing right now. Brother Eric is ready to receive your phone call. Dial one triple eight. LA Talks. That's one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Be one of the first ones that join in the broadcast. Have your questions ready, and Brother Eric is going to set you up, and we'll bring you on momentarily. But let me give that number out a few times in a way that you can send us an email as well. Email questions, we'll deal with those as well. Trying to get into the modern age. One triple eight LA Talks. One triple eight five two eight. Two five five seven one triple eight LA talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven or you can actually go to our website if you happen to be on the internet you're internet savvy go to our website bibleinfobrokers.com bibleinfobrokers.com and you can simply click on contact us and generate your email that way. It'll come right to us. And if you're really in that savvy, go ahead and navigate through there and see the various resources we have on our website. Again, this is a live presentation, so an opportunity for you to go ahead and call in or send us an email. And this broadcast will go as you have questions, as you uh, fire it up. So let's get these uh, calls uh, going. We have uh, open open lines now. Don't wait to the towards the end of the broadcast and get uh, snubbed out. So go ahead and start dialing right now, one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven you know folks listen i read my bible uh if you're reading yours if you're living life and you have things going on in life as i say the vicissitudes of life things on the job things with the family uh neighbors friends family and foes may be dealing with various issues of life you know what there may be a biblical response we believe that there's a biblical response to most things in life especially dealing with life and godliness truth uh this is not only a show where you can get some theological answers to your questions but also some um pragmatic, practical, and um, biblical responses to the things that you're going through in life. So please, there is no silly question in regards that you can call in and ask us about it. Does the Bible talk about this? Let's deal with it. The various things in life. It doesn't necessarily have to be just a strictly theological question, but we're going to give you a theological or biblical response to your question, no matter what it is. So here's the number once again, folks. one la talks one 528 Two five five seven, and so as you call in, go ahead and take an opportunity to do so. Uh, note our lines are working, so take an opportunity to go ahead and call in now. Or go to our website at bibleinfobrokers.com. Bibleinfobrokers.com. 
you call in, we'll deal with your questions as you call in. So let's get those phones uh, lit up, and we'll get into the broadcast. Now, without further ado, I already introduced you to Eric, our screener. You'll talk to him when you call in. And uh, don't forget about the email questions. We can receive those as well. We're going to be getting that Twitter and all the other kind of stuff real soon. Uh, we have it. We're setting it up so that we can get real live-time uh, questions and answers from the various sources of social media uh, that everyone has, and uh, we're getting acclimated to it. So... Now, without further ado, I introduce you to my teammate. Uh, it's actually Professor Craig Hawkins. I affectionately call him PCH, and we'll say, "How you doing, brother?" Are you there, PCH? I am, Daryl. Well, I am. Well, very good. How you doing, bro? I'm doing well, thank you. Good, good. You know, listen. We you know we we've been doing well. I, I just told some of uh, actually my oldest granddaughter because she actually had a chance to come down here. I told her she she was one of the few grandkids that came down to the studio one time with me some years ago, and I told her I said, you know what? This is my going on my 20th year next year in this broadcast. So I'm gonna have a surprise for my family on how they can support this ministry, Craig. And out of those 20 years that mm. we've been in the same time slot, man, I, I can't believe it's passed that fast. To be honest with you, bro, it's yeah. been 20. I mean. Two decades, man. I can't even believe it, but that's the way life goes. And we're still here kicking it, trying to get these uh, questions answered from a biblical perspective. Now, I know that, listen, PCH, I know it's no secret that you uh, actually uh, teach lawyers or you deal with um, various things of Jewish prudence in your, in your teaching of lawyers. And I come out of a legal background being retired, a police officer, been in the courts for quite a few years. And one of the things I think that I find uh, kind of ironic, uh, not only in the United States, but also around the world, how people deal with the idea of the law. And then when we get into the things of the Bible, uh, somehow people think that the law is not applicable to how we should be de- doing our so-called Christian life, as opposed to uh, more specifically the, the, the message about salvation and how the law may not necessarily apply to that. Can you make a, a distinction on how you kind of teach your attorneys to deal with the difference between the jurisprudence law and the law of uh, soteriology? Well, the... yes. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, PCH. Well, sure, and there's a number of aspects uh, here that we could talk about. There's what are called the functions of the law, the use of the law. I'll come back to that, talk to that uh, lastly, but uh, not, not least of all, but certainly perhaps indeed most important but 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 certainly, um, what people often don't know is you hear this kind of silly talk like, you know, Christians Christianity is really uh, what's the word I want obscurantist and it's really infringing or inhibiting people's rights and freedoms and and they wouldn't have any freedoms if Christians had their way and the irony is that's exactly the opposite. That what they don't know is the Western history of the world. Um, indeed, there's a great book by a guy named uh, Harold Berman taught at Harvard until his retirement, and it's called Law and Revolution, Volume 1, that is. And he actually points out, and others, not just him, but uh, many, many sources, that uh, the best aspects of our law, the things that we would value the most, not that our system is perfect, not that there's not problems with it, not that there can't be improvements, but the best things, the things that people often value. And I ask my students, so what do you value? What's the best things in our legal system? And they'll say things like uh, trial by jury, um, right to appeal, right to counsel, right not to incriminate yourself, the Fifth Amendment, if you will, and so on and so forth. They mention these great things, uh, even Miranda rights and whatnot, um, and so on. And I said every single one of these comes from Christians, comes from Christianity. Indeed, one of the uh, 
syllabi, one of the sources I use, one of the works is a, a work of a colleague who goes through the Old Testament and shows you how many of, the, of our laws were derived from old, the Old Testament, from Old Testament principles, so the idea of, uh, well, liability, strict liability of two witnesses, uh, of, you know, capital cases or, you know, what have you. Any rate, uh, so on and so forth. So I, I want to say, first and foremost, the best things from our legal system actually come from Christianity. Not in spite of it, but because of it. Some of the greatest jurists of all times, people like Matthew Hale and uh, a guy named Edward Cook, uh, pronounced Cook, spelled Coke, K-O-K-E, but Cook as pronunciation, uh, John Fortescue, so on and so forth, where the people have never heard them, were committed Christians and transformed the legal system uh, for the rights that we value. You think of things like the Magna Carta, even used to this day from 1215. Uh, that was written by the Archbishop of Canterbury, who had studied law as well as theology at uh, the University of Bologna and uh, Italy, uh, had studied law, and uh, at any rate had incorporated that into the rights of the people, and so on and so forth. Um, so there, uh, there's a big place for that. And of course, there is the law of God, and I would want to say, among other things, when we talk about the law, uh, that that um, the law, it's not like God is the ultimate, uh, what's the word I want? Killjoy. Uh, kill yeah, killjoy. Yeah. Well, I don't mean to be mean-spirited, but <laughs> account it, being counter, kind of like, uh, you know, he's into P's and Q's, you didn't dot your I uh, cr- uh, properly here. Um, you know, this, um, <coughs> excuse me, what, what, what I want to say, this, uh, this T is not crossed properly, and, and he's just out to guilt you. But the law actually reflects God's nature, his character, that God is holy and righteous and just and good and would never take advantage of anybody, never exploit or manipulate anybody, or uh, so on and so forth and, and whatnot. That's the idea there. And so the law reflects God's nature, but the reality is none of us could live up to the law, to the law of God. None of us can completely obey it. Uh, the Bible is very clear. For example, Romans 9, 30-32, our Jewish friends got in trouble because they thought the law was given to make them right with God, that they could somehow observe mm-hmm. it, that mm-hmm. they could, not that they shouldn't try to keep it, but that they, if by, in trying to keep it, that would somehow make them right with God. Uh, so th- th- there are what we call the uses of the law, and want to be careful. There's still a moral use of the law that is, and for society, you, you can't rape and pillage and murder. Uh, those things are still forbidden for Christians, and we would say are good for culture as well. Most of the laws we have, not all, but most of them have a moral basis. Why is it that I can't kidnap you? Is it just because I'm inconveniencing you? Because I'm taking you somewhere you don't want to go? No, because there's a, a moral issue here, the idea that someone cannot unlawfully, uh, immorally detain you, if you will. Um, and, and so on and so forth. So we have use for for sanctification. We have the use for society. Um, and, but, but ultimately, we would argue the law was given to actually, the pedagogical use of the law was given to drive us to Christ. It was to cause us to despair of ever living up to God's holy standards. The law is good, but it provokes in me what is not good. It provokes in me my rebellious, my sinful uh, character, the, the things in me that are hostile to God, which is my nature, if you will, outside of Christ. And so we see this, for example, in Romans 5, 5, 5, 5, 13. Also, almost the same verses uh, in Romans 7, 7, about 5 through verse uh, 13-ish, 11, 13, and there. Same thing, the law was given to drive us to Christ, Galatians 3. It shows us our need for Christ. And those who finally despair of self and say, I can never, I can never live up, I can never earn or merit God's favor, I'd have to be perfect, and I've already messed up. 
And so they're driven to Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And indeed, you know, we're, we're going to be celebrating Christmas here shortly. Mm-hmm. And literally, uh, Christmas comes from two Latin words, of course, Christ, uh, and, and, and the word for descend, descending of Christ. And it is the sending of Christ as a baby, to be sure, but grows up to be a man and who lives a perfect life and pays the penalty. Indeed, Daryl, the Bible uses over and over again legal terms, uh, uh, over and over again. Indeed, for much of history, our knowledge of some ancient history comes from the Bible. Um, but, for example, uh, the term parakletos is used of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It was also one of the Greek terms for a lawyer, an attorney. We say a counselor a legal counselor who gives advice, who intervenes, who intercedes on one's behalf, who argues, if you will, apologia, apologia my, the noun and verb respectively, Greek legal terms to give an answer, a defense, a well-reasoned presentation of why you're not guilty, why you should not be charged with something or, or be held uh, liable for it or, or be, be found guilty. Daryl, these and more. The word martyr comes from the Greek word martus, Daryl, yeah, which was originally uh, a, a witness in a court of law, uh-huh. a sworn deputized, if you will, witness in a court of law that they're going to speak the truth, if you will. And that term eventually came to stand for a, a Christian who gives their life uh, for the gospel. So there's a close, intimate relationship between uh, the Bible and legal development in the Western world and throughout the world, I would argue, for that matter. There's a phenomenal book by uh, a guy named A.N. Sherwin-White, Roman Society and Roman Law. That's just one book of many that shows you the the influence of the Bible upon, for example, Roman law, Greek as well, uh, I mean, the connection, if you will. Some of this I want to be careful is tied into human nature, what's called natural law. But the point is, Daryl, there is a close relationship you were talking about. And so today, Christians aren't free to, to, to murder. Uh, we are held morally co- uh, bound by the law, and that is, uh, and, and we use it in a civil sense for a, a governance, a good, a godly society will have God's laws and guidance uh, f- as their regulations for the good life to promote well-being, uh, good, uh, and uh, civilization. Think of the term, civilization. Um, but the Christian knows the law was never given to make us right with God. Um, it, uh, soteriologically speaking, that big word you use, the word from soteria, the word for salvation in Greek, uh, but it is given to show us that we cannot earn or merit God's favor. We're not perfect. And by trusting in Him, by humbling ourselves before Him, we receive His righteousness. His holiness is imputed, like gizomai, a Greek banking term, legal term. The, the, the God's justification is imputed, reckoned, accounted. Just like, Daryl, uh, we use the term someone, oh, it's, you, you call the bank and want to make sure a check has come in or something. And you say, oh, yes, yes. Uh, easy, that check has been accredited, accounted, right. reckoned to your account. That's the same term that is used of the righteousness of Christ that is reckoned, accounted, imputed to the Christian. The righteousness of Christ is given to us that makes us righteous before God, and therefore God is not only loving and kind, but is holy and righteous and can accept us now for all eternity into salvation, indeed relationship, fellowship with Him because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. So there's a radical, rich, deep relationship of the law through our society, through the Judeo-Christian basis, and indeed uh, we see it in the Christian life as the mirror of sanctification, as uh, uh, the guideline, the touchstone for the good, properly ordered society, and indeed for driving the Christian 
to see Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. You know, when you mention it like that, uh, PCH, you know, I happen to uh, be talking to a, a retired judge, and he was an attorney before. He was a judge like most judges are uh, uh, attorneys, and he's retired, and he's, um, you know, he's almost the age of your dad. He's right around 88, 89 years old. And we were talking. I always try to slip in something into the guys that would bring up a, a discussion, they, and they get used to my game there where I talk about life. And I say, you know, you guys only one b- banana peel away way from slipping or one uh, good putt that you get too excited and you have to you know, try to perform CPR out here on the golf course. But I was asking him from a judge's perspective, well, what, what would he want if he came to court? Would he want justice or would he want mercy? And he, he was so quick to answer the question. And he said, well, justice, of course. You know, people don't come to court for any, no kind of mercy. They come to court for justice. I said, yeah, but what would you want uh, in relationship to uh, if you were judging someone's eternity? And, you know, you say, oh, hey, oh, here you go again. He said, well, I'm going to ask you a question. And he thought about it. He said, you know what? I wouldn't want justice being a judge, but I would indeed want this mercy that you're talking about. And I listened to him about people that throw themselves upon the mercy of a court. And he says, we, we talked about this, I think, maybe last week or the week before, about mitigation of uh, fine, but not taking away the reality of the guilt that's there. You know, and uh, it was just a quite interesting conversation to hear a judge who normally would lean towards justice. But when you start talking about the eternal consequences of man, then, you know, and, uh, whether his belief system is the same or not, it's just that everyone would ask for that mercy. Well, it's interesting. Even the word for, um, not so much kindness, it, does, it entails kindness, but the word for gentleness in Greek, epiakeia, for example, uh, the word actually, its origin, it has to do with the law. It has to do with not giving one, someone the full measure of the law. Uh, in other words, you're found guilty, and, and we, we use the terms, the judge threw the book at yeah, yeah. And what they mean is the full weight of the law, that they gave them the maximum sentence, if you will. So many times judges have either literally sentencing guidelines at a, a state level or a federal level. That, you know, you're, if you're found guilty, your your uh, jail time or the uh, otherwise penalty fine Here's the guidelines, but sometimes judges have in their own mind, this is what I think this type of crime deserves. And, 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 but when they give someone, they throw the book at them, they give them the maximum. Well, anyways, the, the term even for gentleness was the idea, or being mild, was not giving someone the full extent of the law. That is showing uh, what we would say uh, mercy, Show, showing uh, that kindness, if you will. And, and so, yeah, really, uh, when someone thinks about that, you might you might want some scoundrel the full book of the law given to them. Uh, certain types of crimes, we certainly think that those people deserve the maximum penalty, and hopefully not out of vengeance. There's at least three reasons we would, would, would punish somebody. One of them is just vengeance, of course, and 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 I understand that, of course, but there are real problems with that. I mean, uh, vigilantism. Think about that. Why do we outlaw that? Because people uh, either. Uh, meet out too severe a penalty right, in many right, cases, right. and or that they, in their height of emotions, they they do something to somebody who's not even guilty. Um, you know, some horrible thing has happened, and they're looking for justice. And and uh, you know, John Q. Public gets caught, and they think he did it, and he gets hanged or what have you. So there's vengeance. There's what's called the utilitarian form of. of, of Punishment, which says really doesn't even matter if a person's guilty or not. This is sending a message. This is either telling this person don't ever do this again. This is to serve as a lesson to you to never do this again, or to think twice. And it's a message to others. In that sense, one doesn't even have to be guilty. It sends the message of look, people who do this get this. 
Um, and of course, think of the problems with that. But there is what's called a retributive view, which is the Christian view, which is the view I hold, mm-hmm. which is really neither of those. It can have the utilitarian component. It's not to have vengeance. It is the idea of, no, the, a given crime, if found guilty, there is a, a just or appropriate sentence that goes with that. In fact, let me say this, lex talionis, the Latin phrase, um, people often think that that is eye for eye, and they think of that as being vengeance. Oh, so, uh, you, this guy lost his eye in an accident, so you, wanna, uh, you lost yours, so you want to poke his out. Actually, it's not meant to be vengeful. It's actually meant to limit the punishment. It must be appropriate. It must be in relation to the, the damage inflicted upon the victim or victims, if you will. But anyways, Daryl, back to the point that the term gentleness comes from not giving someone the full extent of the law. Mm-hmm. Once again, Christian concept, even though the Greeks had that as well, and the, and the New Testament picks that up and uses the word as gentle. So one more time, a word that we might not even think having anything to do with the context of the law actually has its derivation in light of that context. You know, and that, you know that's just what the uh, the etymo- etymology of most words do when we really get into it and get into the con- uh, not only the meaning of it, uh, where it comes from, but also apply it to the way we speak today. I think that's one of the issues that people are having with uh, the Bible and understanding it. Uh, and we talk about it all the time, Craig, put it, keeping things in its proper context. And what I must do right now, keep something in its proper context, is give the phone number out. I can't believe that these lines are are blank. I know it's the, uh, the holiday season. Folks are not shopping this late, I hope. But let me get the phone number out again where we have some open, all open lines, so take an opportunity to call in now. Cause I, well, I, you know, i got a thousand questions I can ask, so you don't want to hear me ask all my questions all day long, but we would do what we have to do to take advantage of the, the broadcast that the Lord has given to us. But you can join us right now. The show's going to go as you go. one la talks Go ahead and call. Wide open lines. Eric is ready to receive your phone call. He don't want to go to sleep. one He's waiting at me. One triple eight LA Talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. One triple eight LA Talks. One triple eight five two eight two five five seven. If you never called a broadcast before, take an opportunity to do so. You've been listening for a days, months, weeks, or years. Uh, go ahead, and give us a call. This broadcast is for you, and I'm guarantee you, your question. Many other people have similar questions or questions that will derive from yours. So take an opportunity to uh, get your question answered. Our professor is ready. I'm ready. Eric is definitely ready to receive your call at one triple eight. LA Talks, one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. And as I check the email account, I see that a couple of people sent emails, but they were morely talking about uh, encouraging us, Craig, during the uh, the holiday season. Some folks let us know that, you know, they got to do some ministry work. Alan, I see your email here that you have to do some ministry work with your with your church, and that's good. And if you're doing work like that, then listen, let people know that you listen to our broadcast at BibleInfoBrokers.com. And while you're there on our website, you can also send us a questions by way of uh, email. And that's uh, the way that we do it here. Um, Again, I said that we have the other social medias that we're going to get set up uh, soon to be able to make contact with you. And, you know, we got to, as they say, bring the questions and we want to give you the biblical response. And that's just the way it is. And that's what we're trying to do uh, with this broadcast. Again, like I said, been on for 20 years myself in the same time slot, PCH and Brian been with for 18 years. And this is a, it's a, it's a blessed privilege, Craig. Now don't get me wrong. I know we got other things we can be doing at this time of uh, day, but at the same time, God has given us this privilege to be on, to be able to answer questions from a biblical perspective. And I, and I believe that people are being blessed by a matter of fact, I know that for sure. And at 
at the same time, uh, we're letting people know that you can take advantage of this opportunity. There's going to be something that happened in your life. You're going to say, you know what? I should have called them, God. They were on the air talking about call us and let the broadcast roll, and I didn't take an opportunity. Now I got this issue at work. I got this issue with my family. I got this issue with my in-laws. And I should have asked that question to Professor in Easy D. Man, when are they going to come back? Next week. <laughs> Same time slot. So you can give us a call right now. I see people calling in now. And you can send us an email question. Those are all efficient. Uh, I'll give those if, that information again. one la talks is the number. one 528 2557 or you can go to our website at bibleinfobrokers.com bibleinfobrokers.com and simply click contact us and then you'll be receive your email question instantaneously I, like, I mean all these resources PCH I see that people are calling in now so we get those calls set up and get it right to them now I want to get back not to the subject matter that I brought up earlier, PCH, but just the idea that uh, in these ministries that we have, especially during this time, I want to take an opportunity while we're getting the call set up to let the people know that this is a faith-supported ministry. Now, Craig, you've been on radio much longer than I have. You've been on for, what, about 30-plus years, uh, various uh, formats and various ways. And I'm going to turn the mic over to you. If you would let the people know how important it is and why so many uh, ministries go off the air, because of the lack of support of, uh, of using God's money to support the various ministries that may be a blessing to you. Also, like the bookstores and things like that, that that's going out of uh, not only out of style because of the Internet, but even when they were in style, people were not supporting Christian bookstores. And, you know, quite a few of them that we talked about before went out of business, not because of the Internet, per se, or the e-books, but because people were not. Uh, su- uh, supporting their Christian uh, uh, organizations like that that were putting out some uh, excellent material. Talk to the people PCH and I'll give them information on how they can actually participate in giving to this ministry and what we do. Yeah, Daryl, it's hard to believe. I know I sound like a very young man. But, uh, <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah, And you actually do, Craig. You actually do. I do. Uh, but I've been doing radio actually 30 years wow, now. Wow. 30. 80, 19, literally, 1987. Yeah, uh, Walter Martin. Walter R. Martin, yeah. head of the Christian Research Institute, Bible Answer Man, gave me my start in radio. I did a program called CRI Perspective for two years, uh, a local station in Southern California on KYMS. I might remember mm, that. Uh, but at any rate, uh, then a year into that, he brought me onto the Bible Answer Man program with him, and I did that actually. The last year, that was the last year of his life. I did the year, uh, the program with him. Wow. I was on a daily basis, and then I would fill in for him when he was when he was gone, traveling or what have you. Uh, incredible privilege. But yeah, Darrell, so I've seen a lot in 30 years, safe to say, um, and uh, some of it not good. And, and, and yeah, there's a lot of good ministries, and but people don't support them. Uh, I'll never forget uh, one infamous example. I, I think of many, Daryl, but I think of one really a phenomenally good Christian bookstore. Uh, that I knew the owner very well. I was very diligent in what was sold there. They didn't just sell anything because someone would buy it, uh, but had a real conscience and did their best to really guide people in great Christian literature. Um, they went out of business uh, because people, uh, some of the reasons you said, and actually an occult bookstore and uh, occult shop went in there where they did uh, tarot card reading, palm wow. reading, all that stuff, astrology. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is like the judgment of God upon the earth. <laughs> it wasn't yes. just that the Christian, great Christian bookstore went out of business uh, that deserved everyone's patronage, but that indeed an occult bookstore shop went in there. But to the point, Daryl, you know, we are a faith-supported broadcast. What does that mean? That 
you know, we don't have some big church backing us. We're not knocking that. By the way, we don't get salaries for this. Uh, we're not yeah, knocking absolutely. those who do. Uh, but your funds go directly towards the radio broadcast uh, for the production expenses and radio time, airtime like this. And so we're really asking people, if you believe in this broadcast, if, particularly if you're a regular listener and you benefit from it, you are receiving uh, uh, solid food from it, teaching, um, even if we challenge you or disagree with you, or you disagree with us on some hopefully minor issues, but on the whole you're, you're benefiting from this, we would ask that you would perfectly consider being a financial partner with us as well. And, and I don't mind appealing to, look, it's the end of the year, it's tax times coming up. Yeah. Uh, your chance to very legitimately support a ministry uh, and also to get the legitimate write-off. Um, so we would ask you to really consider that as God has blessed you, and I would ask that you would even think about that as someone who gets to travel good parts, big parts of the world, uh, I'll be doing that. In fact, in three weeks, I'll be out of the country again, Daryl. Mm. Um, and uh, the point is, uh, but we have no idea, most of us, how good we have it here. I remember as a young man, as a kid, my dad used to say, you have no idea we <laughs> travel much of the world, and, you know, how well we have it here. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, Dad. Sure. Your dad was a Marine, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, boy, was he, he wasn't kidding. I found out as I traveled myself mm-hmm. now, Daryl. But the point is, uh, to the point, people can stand with us prayerfully, financially, and we're asking them to do that. I know you're going to tell them how they can do that in just a moment, but we really do need to hear from them. Uh, makes the broadcast possible. Uh, they partner with us. It's kind of like, think of doctors like Without Borders who go into areas and they're willing to do free medical services, uh, surgeries, um, physicals you know, what have you. But even some, some may still have to pay for the fuel, for the, uh, for the plane. They have to pay for the bandages, the, the medications that are used uh, for antibiotics and or painkillers. You know, the, uh, in other words, a lot of people help out for that to be possible. Well, see, don't, we're not medical missionaries. But, well, we're spiritual missionaries, if you will, yes. literally equipping people with the gospel and explaining to them what Christianity is and why it's true and Comparing and contrasting that with atheism, with agnosticism, with Buddhism, Hinduism, and what have you, uh, you again can make that help make that possible by your prayers and your financial support. And Daryl, would you would you tell folks how they could do just that? I, I certainly will, Craig. And we do want to get to the calls. I see now all the calls are lighting up, and we're going to get to those calls as uh, Eric is setting them up. But listen, folks, it's very simple. If you want to give and you want to give right away financially, you can go to our website to a secure site. It's a very simple page. You can click on just uh, donate. Uh, support and donate us by going to Bible Info Brokers, BibleInfoBrokers.com, and you can navigate your way through there. It's very uh, simple and succinct way to give. You can give on a regular basis, a one-time giving. Uh, another way uh, that's not necessarily on the website, but you can do it by going to your own online presence at your own bank and uh, make it like uh, a regular payment, a regular bill pay type thing, and they can send that as well. You can save on the, the time, the effort, and also the stamps. But if you're so inclined and you do want to give to us and you want to give by way of uh, um, mailing it in, then please do so. Write the check or the money order out. Please don't send cash. Write the the check or the money order out to LBTW slash BIB. That's for them by the word Bible uh, Information Brokers at P.O. Box 90477. Let me do that again. P.O. Box 90477 in Los Angeles 90009. Let's make the check out to LBTW slash BIB uh, Bible uh, Information Brokers 
in his P.O. Box 90477 in Los Angeles, 90009. Uh, we appreciate that in advance. We'll give one more reminder a little bit later on during the broadcast uh, to let you know. And listen, folks, also, if you're going to give this broadcast, that's great. But I'm going to ask that you also let's support uh, PCH. Those of you that were so so helpful before when he went overseas and, and helped for the ministry of uh, training uh, uh, leaders out there in the various areas that he's going to go. And he's going to talk about that uh, a little bit later in the broadcast, as he just mentioned. To be traveling in three weeks, let's load that. Let's let's get a windfall on that money also, because every dime of that money as well goes to the expenses that it takes professor to get overseas to minister to the, the men uh, and the ministers out there to be able to teach the people in various areas of India, Nepal, Bhutan, Myanmar, and things like that. And a matter of fact, I'll be going there quick myself because I have a, a friend and a family I'm going to be uh, blessing with uh, some uh, information and um, you know some things to do with travel for her and her family. She has family out here, but she's, I've met her in India maybe back in the 80s, and now she's a 45-year relationship. I can't believe it's been that many years uh, meeting people. But anyway, folks, that's what you can do. Go to our website, Bible Info Brokers, uh, and you can see the information right there. We appreciate you in advance. Now, PCH, enough said for that. Uh, I asked people to call in, and <laughs> guess what? They called in, so let's honor the phone calls and go right to the phones and talk with uh, a gentleman that's on the freeway. It's on the San, San Pedro Freeway. Darren, thanks for calling in. I hope that you're not driving with one hand and uh, the other one talking to us. Well, no, I got I got this sweet little deal. I'll just prop the phone in the front. So very good. good, very good. Dar- Darren, what's your question for the night? Um, well, I have a question um, when Jesus answers Peter and says, "Those who well, when when Peter cuts off the the high priest ear, not I'm sorry, not the high priest ear, one of the soldiers ear, Malchus, yeah, Malchus." Mm-hmm. And he um, and then Jesus says, "Those who live by the sword shall die by the sword." Um, I'm not quite certain as to what he is referring to in terms of it, like the way we handle physical altercations mm-hmm. or we defend ourselves, because I look at. You know, I, I look at the apostles, and so you guys were talking about before, um, they were martyrs, uh, and they didn't physically defend themselves, whether it be from the Romans or from other uh, other different societies or, or people. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm just curious what, like, if you could if you could dissect or, or break down that passage a little bit. Okay, Darren. Know, like, what I'm going to do, Darren, is because I got a background noise, I'm going to put you on hold, and then I'm going to have Professor deal with your question about the uh, explaining the live by the sword, die by the sword. So hold on, and you'll be able to hear us, okay? Hold on, please. Okay, cool. Go ahead, PCH. Yeah, and then we'll let him back on. Um, yeah, so this is, not, this is not saying you have no right to defend yourself. This is not saying that anybody defends himself, sword, nunchucks, you know, whatever. <laughs> Uh, is going to die that way. I mean, think. by the way, think of David. David was a man of war. David had been in many battles, and he didn't die by the sword. Um, there's all kinds of people in the Bible who didn't die by the sword, who were involved in defense in the military or otherwise. It's an idiom that basically means a violent person who uh, illegally and morally takes up violence force to get what they want. So, in other words, this was God's will even to, for, for Christ to go and die for us. And so it's God's will, so it's his will for Peter not to fight, not to resist. And, and that's why Jesus says, remember, look, I could call how many legions of angels, right? An uh, incredible number of angels if I wanted to fight. If this was my time to fight, well, we, I would, and I would prevail. Mm-hmm. Think of it when they come up to him and they ask him, you know, he asks him, who are you looking for? And they say, Jesus. And he says, I am. And boom, they fall back over. I think he's making the point. 
I'm in charge here, actually, not you. I'm going to go with you, but that's because I will to do it. If I didn't, I wouldn't be going with you. So the context, the idiom is a person, think of a bully as an analogy, a bully who picks on others. Um, so it's the idea of not just unlawful, but, 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 uh, but immoral use of force to, to get what you want, to do what you want. Um, because, indeed, uh, Christ in the garden actually tells him, look, you got any swords, whatever? And he's right. got one or two, and he says, that's enough. Right? Well, what's he talking about? Why would he be saying that if he's already said, look, you know, you can't, you're going to die by the sword. Why would he have told them to have a sword then? Um, so the idiom, again, means this, this immoral, unjust uh, uh, use, use of force to get what you want and perpetuating violence upon others. That's the context. So think of here people who, you know, uh, uh, armed robbery. There's, that would kind of be an example. Other illegal use of force. That's what's going on because even again, one more time, Jesus gave them the right, even told them, look, I'm just going to send you out after this and you're going to need to have some weapons and whatnot. Well, why would he say that unless they have the right? Did you say it's just cool to carry around swords? Uh, no, he's saying you have a right to defend yourself in a given context. All right, Darren, I'm going to bring you back on. Darren, I, I hope you were able to hear that um, response. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find well, that, Darren? Did, oh, did, well, so when, the, when, when I read through Acts and I read about the, the, the deaths of the different apostles and I read outside sources, did they ever try to physically defend themselves? No, not that we know of. No, in that context, no, because they saw themselves as that was what God had called them to. Uh, but in okay. early history and throughout church history, you do find a tradition of self-defense and even what's called just war theory. And so one may say, and some made the distinction, and here's the distinction. Some would say, look, when it comes to the cause of Christianity, I will not defend myself. But if you're just trying to rob me, um, you're trying to break in my home or something, that's a different ball game. Um, so... So that, that distinction was made between I will take whatever comes my way for the gospel's sake um, versus uh, I will not fight on that, that line. But if, you know, if it's for any other reason you want to abuse me, I, I can and will uh, defend myself. And by the way, defend someone who's innocent. Let's say someone's trying to uh, accost someone else, whether they're family member, friend or not, and you defend them. The Bible's not saying, oh, you're in trouble, you're bad. Again, by the way, let me give you the actual passage. In Luke 22, for example, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, I have to cut to the chase for time, but verse 35 of Luke 22, then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without purse or bag or sandals, did you lack anything? Uh, Nothing, they answered. He said to them, but now if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Well, wait wait a minute. What What do you mean? Why would they get a sword? Because in certain contexts, they do have indeed the right, and sometimes actually the duty right. to defend themselves or others. Exactly. Hey, Darren, I, I, thought, I hope that's helpful cool. to you, brother, to make a clarity to it. Cool. Thank you so much. Right. Like, so, it's awesome. I appreciate you guys' time very much. Thank you very much for the phone call, my brother. Appreciate you. Just like Darren, folks, you can call in with your open, honest question, one 888 talks one 888-528-2557. Ken, J.R., Marcus, Dan, we're going to get to you momentarily. But right now we're going to go to Timothy in Lake Balboa. Timothy, thanks for holding on and calling in. Hey, how's it going? Going well, Timothy. Um, How are you, sir? Well, probably be kind of continuing off the theme from the last question. Oh, yeah, I, I see that. More, <laughs> I see your question. more in the marital content. Um, uh, I try to be humble in my marriage, mm-hmm. and I think I'm being humble. 
but then my wife come comes back at me about me being a coward. So I'm trying to figure out what does coward look like and what does humility look like. Man, that's an excellent question, bro. Uh, without giving us too much of the stuff because the wife obviously may not be on the line with you. Uh, uh, Craig, I mean, we can answer it in generally, but it may be helpful to just give us a sort of an instance uh, how it played out. Well, like, um, see, we've been married for like over two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And I guess the constant theme is like dealing with in-laws. Mm. Like with my mom. Okay. Like my mom and her doesn't get along. Okay. And she's telling me I'm supposed to go and stand up for her. Go. To me, it sounds like she wants me to pick a fight with my mom mm-hmm. in her defense. But like, I'm all like, I'm trying to explain to her and help her understand what humility looks like. And that's when she comes back at me. Oh, you're being a coward. You can't, you know, stand up for me and go talk to your mom. To you, she has to respect me and all this stuff. And Honestly, I don't see the disrespect from my mom, but she sees something and I'm trying to see it. But like at the end of the day, I, I think I'm being humble, but she accuses me of being a coward. Hmm. PCs, I'm going to let you grapple with that for a moment as I pontificate here in my mind. Well, yeah, uh, yeah there's, there's, there's a big issue here. And, and uh, of course, we only can get to so much of it for t- because of time right. that I want to say a few things. But this may be one literally where you need to go sit down with a pastor or a Christian counselor and, and present both sides and let them help you because um, it's interesting. Uh, even going back to Aristotle, he talks about uh, vices. One would be cowardice, but another one is brashness or inappropriateness, right. being over the top of uh, uh, vibrato, if you will, we we use a lot of terms. Think of machismo or whatever. Uh, a lot of terms of uh, you know someone who's who's actually coming across too strong, if you will. Um, uh, but the Bible does condemn coward uh, cowardice. Uh, this is 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 a vice. Um, now, what's going on in your relationship? Well, I, I want to encourage you two things, three things. Number one, again, as I said, to, to seek out good Christian counsel, counselor, and or pastor and get some input on the exact situation, and because this really takes an, an, an exact instance and, and to see, well, did you, were you appropriate, or would it be, you know, was your course of action, or lack of action, if you will, uh, the right one? That's number one. Number two, I would encourage you to go online and look up, uh, in Greek New Testament, look up, you can do this in English, and just look up uh, cowardice, or look up actually humility, and look up meekness. Right. And I think just that study alone will, will, may, will help you a lot. So look up, and you just really type in the U, I mean, into your search engine, um, Greek term for meekness, a Greek term for uh, cowardice, Greek term for humility. Uh, I believe that that, will, that type of study, you might come up with something like what's called trenches, synonyms of the New Testament. And uh, Trench, T-R-E-N-C-H, 1800s, was a phenomenal Greek scholar and etymologist. Uh, Daryl actually mm-hmm. studied, uh, the, the, the philologist, I should say. Right, me. right. Philologist study of words and etymology. Not the study of bugs, but... Uh, <laughs> and, uh, well, I, I was looking at uh, James uh, chapter 4. I was looking through that, and it says, uh, I believe it's in the same chapter, resist the devil and he will flee. And then it also says in the same chapter, maybe I'm wrong, but you could correct me. It says, uh, do not resist the evil person. So, I mean, in relation to this, is, I mean, is there a relation to this, like well, humility a, and cowardice? There's, 
there's a context. Well, yeah, but there's other passages. These ought to be taken in toto. Um, how would that be resistant? If somebody breaks in your house, would you just say, well, I'm not to resist an evil person? So what if, let me give you a scenario. Extreme, but it'll make my point. This passage is not saying something like this. Uh, somebody breaks in your house, and they decide to use your wife as a punching bag. They're not even going to touch you. They say, hey, I'll give you some popcorn. I'm going to beat your wife up. You can watch. You can enjoy the show. That would be pretty bizarre, obviously. And if you sit there and go, well, I'm not to resist a person, you know, an evil person, yeah, go ahead. Your wife would, would, would well, say you're minimally confused, if not the cowardly, uh, being, uh, showing cowardice. So these need to be taken in context. But even meekness is strength under control. It's an appropriate response. It's knowing how to respond with how much force. Um, so someone says, well, you know, Jesus let them take him. That's what we were talking about. Uh, he suffered abuse. Yeah, he let them because of his mission, but no more than that. And he's very clear, like in the gardens that we were just talking about. He, they all fall down when, literally, when he they, he they ask he asks them who they're looking for, and he says that he's that's him. Um, so he's under he's got the strength, he's got the authority, he's got the control. And so there is. Let me just say this now. Third and last point. In general, there's a time and a place. There's times when our parents want to sometimes have too much. Uh, they exert themselves too much mm-hmm. into our marriages. There's a time and a place where the ap- a- apron strings have to be cut. You still love your mom, respect your mom, but it's being respectful by, you know, this is if something's between your wife and you and not among you your wa- and your wife and your mom, then there is an appropriateness. So I would just, uh, where it would take a lot of time and we just don't have it, you can't do it here just for that and the dynamics necessary is you'd have to hear us given very specific scenario scenarios how you responded and how your wife expected you to respond. It could be that that's really what it was, or at least minimally you're confused. You don't understand when there's a time to be passive and let something go and when there's a time to say, uh, this isn't going to happen. Uh, this is not going to uh, go on. I can tell you, uh, not that I'm Mr. Master of this, uh, I'm like you, a fellow traveler trying to figure out the virtues and <laughs> when to act appropriate and use force and whatnot, but I, I can tell you, I remember to this day, and I know my wife does, there was a relative who who was uh, really, um, it's a long story, but it was a, uh, an issue involved with settling the grandparents' estate, and um, uh, one of the relatives was very disrespectful, not just to me, I was like, whatever, but to my wife. And I had to, I, I had to tell this relative, you will not talk to my wife like that. That's very uh, inappropriate. Uh, and, and if you do, we're done here. You can talk to, uh, I'll put it back to the other attorneys. Uh, I'm not, my wife will not be talked to like this. And, and I stood up for my wife, and it was the right thing. This person was being abusive, was being derogatory, and using some profanity. It's like, you know what, we're done here. You're not going to talk like that. You can't talk like a civil, uh, civil human being. You, can, you can't show some just common courtesy, even though you disagree strongly. I get that, as we do. Uh, we're done. And my wife to this day remembers that and uh, respects that, that I, I didn't let her be treat, mistreated like that. And so, again, uh, one last time, it depends on the specific context 
and what your wife is asking you to do, but there are times where it's very legitimate, where it is, and, and again, it may not be cowardice that keeps you from doing it. You may just simply think, well, I, I need to respect my mom, and so you're going to put up with right, me. Right. It may be in a healthy situation, emotional health-wise, you go, uh, Mom, that's enough. Uh, or, you know, as, a, as is appropriate, speaking to your mom, but it's letting her know that something is not going to go on, either some type of activity or, or words that she's using or what have you. So, uh, you know, again, I don't know without knowing more specifics, but you've certainly got to look into this yeah. for the well-being, for the the maturation both of you and your wife and for the sake of your marriage. And again, Timothy, if I could just, I will add on a little bit to it. And then I could agree with Professor 100% in regards to if you're in a, a, a church or you got some elders there, uh, you guys might want to get before them. And I would recommend get before a, a mature uh, male and female. It doesn't have to be leader of the church per se, but just mature Christians uh, that can give you a perspective about what your specific situation is. But I would say this, I remember I had to make, I said I was going to talk to my, my my uh, son, who is not saved, uh, and dealing with a situation, and my wife, I remember telling me some years ago before I go there, I was going to talk to him and his girlfriend, and it was about some issues that um, I, I, I was I was concerned about, and they're not even saved uh, in that respect, and um, I. I was told by my wife, you know, don't go over there and make anybody cry. <laughs> I mean, uh, so a particular style that I may have may be a little bit more assertive. But at the same time, I, I took my wife's advice, uh, and then, you know, but I still had to say what I had to say in regards to the situation. So, again, between what Craig is saying and what I'm just suggesting to you that, uh, you know, if, if your wife is hearing you out and you know what you're doing, you know the various characters that you're dealing with, then uh, I think that... Um, a third party in this regard, both of you being able to express yourselves and get some advice from a wiser, older person in this regard, especially male and female, might be very helpful. So for now, a good word study probably would Absolutely. Uh, be the first <laughs> yeah, track. And seriously, yeah, you will find there are some, uh, there's some gar- a lot of garbage on the Internet, but there's some great stuff on mm-hmm. great websites that you don't have to know Greek or Hebrew. You just type in Greek and Hebrew word for uh, cowardice, for coward, for... Mm-hmm meekness and humility and particularly if you get a site that will take you to trenches note now i happen to have a copy of uh, the trenches synonyms in the new testament um, but i know that a lot of it's online and i know you will greatly benefit you will be blessed by reading that and he goes through and explains this what this is what humility is and this is what it's not and the related term uh, concept of meekness as well is really applicable here and then as well, just lastly, the term coward or cowardiceness. Exactly. Hey, Tim, I hope that's helpful to you, brother. Pardon? I hope that's helpful to you. Oh, yeah, it is. All right, thank you very much. Thank you for your call, man. Appreciate you. Uh, PCH, we got about uh, four minutes before the top of the hour break. And um, Vivian, I see you there. Dan, I got you. Uh, Marcus, uh, we're going to come back with you, JR and Ken. On the other side of the break, and those that may want to send in email questions, feel free to do so by going to our website at Bible Info Brokers, BibleInfoBrokers.com, and you can give us an email question as well. Or you can call in like the uh, Timothy just did and the other people I just named, one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. We appreciate you do calling in. We want to get to those questions. 
Mormons or if you're interested about Mormons, how to witness to them. If you're interested in why did Jesus even have to come, uh, Buddhism, Christianity, the viewpoints of the end times. These are some of the questions that people are just on the board calling about now. You may have a different question or a question that you want to get dealt with. We want to give the biblical response. And so give us a call at one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Or email us your question by going to our website and click contact us at BibleInfoBrokers.com. Now, PCH, we got about, uh, like I said, about three, four minutes left before the top of our break. Uh, let's deal with what's the most important thing that we know why we do this broadcast in regards to Christ and him crucified and why uh, the Christianity whole faith is based upon a resurrected body. Well, sure, Daryl, as we talked about, and I would encourage anybody, if you didn't hear the beginning of the broadcast, we talked at length about the place of the law and the, and the culture and in the life of the Christian. And what we just made the point was is that while we want to use it as a mirror for morality or sanctification, that none of us lives up to it perfectly, and that's God's standards for salvation. Salvation is not some just religious term. It literally meant to be delivered from some type of uh, danger, from flood, famine, fire, uh, pestilence, you know, uh, robbers, what have you. And that's what the term means, and God delivers us ultimately from the greatest uh, evil, the greatest thing we can possibly face, which is the S-I-N, if you will. And, you know, Daryl, we're about to celebrate Christmas, as we mentioned earlier as well. And people, you know, some of them are okay with the, the baby in the manger stuff, but they don't want the grown Jesus who's saying, <laughs> look, this is how it is. I came here, no person comes to the Father but by me. Or instead of Christ, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by him. And so, it, but that is the case. Uh, Jesus is the Savior of the world. He came to pay the penalty for our sins. That means our transgressions, our violations, our inhumanity towards one another and our insubordination to God. We basically told God where he can go. We've given him the middle finger, and uh, we don't think that, but we, we've done that. I'm okay. I don't need you. I'm just fine. I'll live life the way I want to. You're saying, God, take a hike. You don't know what you're saying. But God is not only our maker, and it's not just he's just bigger than us and some ogre. He knows what's best for us, and he has, think of him as the, the ultimate cardiologist. You need a heart transplant. He will provide the surgery, he's diagnosed it, and he pays it in full. The whole. Yes. You won't pay a dime for your procedure, but my friend, you need a new heart. If not physically, spiritually you do. And that is to be not a, a, a new leaf, uh, not a, a New Year's resolution, uh, but a total, complete transformation by trusting in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We have more to say about that, but not less than this. You need to trust in Christ, commit to Him, and let Him radically revolutionize you from the inside out. Not as just some life coach, but as the source of life, the prince of life, the archegos in Greek, the source or origin of life. Trust in Him, and He will transform you and give you life in that more abundantly. Not the easy life, but the good life you were meant to have, and eternal life, and to help renew and restore broken relationships in this present life, that and more is found in the gift, the ultimate Christmas gift, not the baby, but the man, the Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. No greater words can be said. And folks, that's what it's all about. That is the reason for the season that we're about to impart impart upon uh, Christ and him crucified. Learn about it. Know about it because what a great opportunity not to just get lost into the commercialization of Christmas, but also to the real meaning and succinct definition of what the man Christ, the man child, Jesus Christ and him crucified meant. 
Well, you listen to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of Bible Information Brokers. My name is Daryl Easy D. Fulton, PCH, and I'll be back. Uh, call Eric right now. He's ready to take your phone call at one triple eight LA Talks, one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. We're gonna take a quick break and be back after these messages with more of the open forum. Give us a call. 